It's time to think differently about healthcare, but how do we keep up? The days of yesterday's medicine are long gone, and we're left trying to figure out where to go from here. With all the talk about politics and technology, it can be easy to forget that healthcare is still all about humans. And many of those humans have unbelievable stories to tell. Here, we leave the policy debates to the other guys and focus instead on the people and ideas that are changing the way we address our health. It's time to navigate the new landscape of healthcare together and hear some amazing stories along the way. Ready for a breath of fresh air? It's time for your Paradigm Shift. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare and thank you for listening. On today's episode, Scott Zeitzer gets the chance to talk to returning guest, Dr. Ira Kirschenbaum, Chairman for the Department of Orthopedics at the Bronx Care Health System. This is our 100th podcast. I am welcoming my good friend, Ira Kirschenbaum, Dr. Ira Kirschenbaum, I should say, who is the chair of Bronx Care. Ira, what is your formal title now that I uh, think of it? Besides Grand Puba, Yes. I am the chair of the Department of Orthopedics at Bronx Care Health System. I also have another title here, which is the clinical lead of telehealth for the entire health system. Which is pretty cool, but we're not going to talk about that, actually. We're going to talk about how you're the head of Joey, the Journal of Orthopedic Experience and Innovation. Yes, absolutely. I wanted to talk a little bit about Joey. It's something that I know is near and dear to your heart. And when you came up with this concept and we were first talking, and it was a while ago, I thought it would take off, but not to the level you know, that it has. So let, right. let's kind of go back and like, like, how long has Joey now been? Like, let's go over its, its inception and what's happening here. Well, there were two starts to Joey, to the, to the journal. And I do have to, first of all, give creds to Vinod Dasa, who was the first person who coined it Joey, journal J-O-E-I. He called it Joey. All right. And so Vin Dasa, Dr. Dasa, Dr. Vin Dasa called it Joey, and it stuck. It stuck. There are two starting points to the journal. One was about 10 years ago when the original inception came up. The original idea came to me. I thought to myself, I remembered when I was a second or third year resident, my mentor, Dick Rothman, invited me to dinner at a meeting. It might have been AUKUS, it might have been AOS, you know. And at the dinner was uh, Rothman, Leo Whitesides, and Chit Ranawat. Wow. So you got, and, wait, wait, wait. you got at this dinner, I just want to get this straight. You got Rothman, Ranawat, and Whiteside? Yes. And you? No, and, and about six other people. Okay. I'm still overwhelmed by the people at this table. Those are some heavy, heavy hitters. And they really were like the father of modern day, the, some of the fathers of modern day orthopedics. And so anyway, you're at this table and things are opening up a little bit. They're telling stories. And so I quickly, yeah. So basically I wasn't there. Right. And, and I'm just now an observer to the interactions. Sure. And the range of discussions went from medical things about how, you know, why are these controversies still repeating? And they went over some of them to how they each got their start in orthopedics, how 
Leo came up with his original idea for the Dow Corning knee or something and sure. how Rothman made his move from spine to joints and how Rodemont came to this country with basically no money and did his first, if I remember correctly, his first internship in an upstate New York convent hospital, if I get it correctly. And I think I, I'm remembering correctly. So then fast forward about another eight or nine years. And I'm sitting there remembering that. So with that said, 10 years ago, I was realizing as I was seeing more and more bivariate analysis, evidence-based medicines and claims data studies and claims data studies. And we looked at the Mm. claims data from the the state of the University of Minnesota, blah, 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 blah. I said, man, what would Ron Watts say about this? What would Rothman say about this? Yep. These are guys who each did over, clearly at the time, probably over 20,000 joints apiece. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. They, they, they're Whatever the number experience is. was just yeah. extraordinary. extraordinary. And they also thought, of, they always thought about when they did things. They didn't just do things. They, each case, Rothman used to say, you know, every time you go to the OR, Make sure you do one thing better that day okay. and keep on rotating it around. But anyway, make a long story short, I, about 10 years ago, prior to Joey, I came up with the idea called the Journal of Experience. Okay. And I even have a mock-up of the uh, page. Absolutely. It was a very, very goofy image. And it never went anywhere because, number one, I was really busy with this new position where I took over the chairmanship of Bronx Care, which was uh, a whole nother story from another yep. day. If, if anybody that, wants to hear the systems that Dr. K put in place and, and the workflow, and it's a great podcast. It, if it's not the first one, it's one of the first few. And I do remember one of the takeaways from that was that I think you processed uh, in one year the same volume as like the city of Cleveland or something. In- yeah. Yeah. So we right, we went from a, a no orthopedic surgeons. So right now, I believe we are the largest full-time faculty of orthopedics of any safety net hospital in the country. In the poorest, if I'm not mistaken, the poorest congressional district in the United States. As well. Correct. So I'm trying to look and say, how am I going to do this? And, I, and you know me, I kind of really pretty high-end technology and can figure out ways sure. to produce Absolutely. things and outsource things and, blah, blah, yep. blah, 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 and all yep. that stuff. Technology is your friend. At the time, at the time, the only thing that was really available was uh, Create Space from um, which then became Kindle Direct Publishing. There was yep. a, there was something called Mad Cloud. Mad Cloud was making magazines, and I think it was owned by McGraw Hill. And you know, it was Each twenty cents a page, yeah. and it was printing. And it, you know, but I just said, you know, that, but then how am I going to run the reviewers? How the technology wasn't there. Fast forward seven years later, which is a year before Joey, I have to come across a company called Scholastica HQ, which is really a platform. And you know, you know me from, we talked about this, the previous podcast, I'm a big fan of platforms. For example, we run a database on a platform called TrackVia, which is like salesforce.com, which is a database platform. We build our own database, but we built it from scratch, but at least we have a platform to build on. Right. This is an academic journal publishing platform. 
It doesn't tell you what to say. It doesn't give you the articles, but it has a section to manage your reviewers, a section to manage your editors. So now, as I always say, when you have an idea and any entrepreneurial idea, and Joe is an entrepreneurial idea, you need three things. You need the idea, you need the ability to make it, and you need a distribution mechanism. Okay. That's it. So I had the idea for a long time, but I did not have the ability to make it. And, And I'll tell you something else too. You're at a position in your career where you also had the time to develop it, to focus on it. We have this online journal. It's created about a year ago, correct? Uh, Two years ago. How old is it now? March 14th, 2020 was the first article. There we go. Right? So we've got an online journal. And and Ira, you you're now have enough time to put some time into this. And I get back to that experience. Well, I'll take issue with that. I made time to do this. Okay. Okay. So I took away from other personal endeavors. I sold for quite a while. I was actually, I think my first job was actually being Dr. Ranawat's sales rep for Johnson and Johnson. I would basically okay. go genuflect and, you know, hand him the implants. It really wasn't uh, much of an experience in terms of, uh, you know, surgeon sales rep kind of a thing. It was more of just uh, understand that. And I got to watch some surgeries that he did. Of course, he was a brilliant surgeon. The thing though, was in that era, I remember like, you know, you'd go to the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons meeting and you'd have some key doctors that you worked with. You liked them. And, you know, they had questions about the system. And you remember how, you know, how exciting it was, like if you were a Rothman hip user to be able to go to, you know, what was then the Biomet uh, booth, not the Zimmer Biomet booth uh, showing my age. But, you know, you were able to go talk to Dick Rothman about like, hey, man, what do you do if? Right. Or how do you set up your your tables or whatever that was? You know, it's right. it wasn't a double, triple case study, blind. What it was just like. And also, he wasn't done. he wasn't high on the podium, far away from you. Correct. In he was fact, right there. In fact, one of the names I originally wanted to call the journal was Rubbing Elbows. Yep, I remember that. Just remember kidding that. around, yep. and and so when i when i had the idea for to, to go ahead with the journal i realized it had to be more than just experience it was also about innovation because innovation became over the last 10 12 years more codified as a discipline yes absolutely if you said so my original name of the journal believe it or not was acta experientia there's yes. a journal called acta scandinavia Yep. And I figured we do act experiencia. Okay. So I presented that. Uh, William Kurtz was a great guy who started the Ortho Founders Group, which I'm a member of. It's many yes, people yes. are. It's about 150 orthopedic surgeons who are interested in entrepreneurial ventures and founding company. I presented it to the group. And I think about 90 people were on the emails chain. And 89 said, Experiencia was probably the worst name they ever heard. The only one who didn't was me. And I was the 90th one. So we <laughs> toyed around with a bunch of other ideas. And, I, and it wasn't one person. It was a whole bunch of emails coming along. We were talking about this experience, it's innovation, and it's it, it's this, it's So it became the Journal of Experience and Innovation. I could thank the author founders group for the process of coming up with that. 
Hey everyone, it's Michael here with your P3 Pro Tip for the week. Local search engine optimization, or SEO, is more than just your online map listings. It also includes your website content and how you relate it to your practice's location. When optimizing your content for local SEO, it's a similar process to optimizing your SEO for a particular procedure or service. The goal isn't to try to work your city's name in as much as you possibly can because your content would sound extremely unnatural. That's the opposite of what you want. Instead, focus on working your location into a few key places, like your page titles, title tags, and headings where appropriate. You certainly can include your information in the body text of your content as well, but read it back and make sure it sounds like something a real person would actually say in conversation. You don't need to go overboard with the location mentions to convey to patients that you serve their local area. We have Joey, and how many people are on the platform now? Like how many people are actively engaged, you know, like page views? Give give me some stats here because I want people to understand. Aside from my uh, immediate family. Right. Aside from, you know, making your wife read it every day. Yeah. Right. So uh, first of all, let me talk about the editorial. Go ahead. We have 92 people on the editorial board and we have 30 surgeons on the advisory council. The editorial board are well regarded titans in their communities or in their academic centers. The advisory board are actually a very unique group, which we started around five months ago, which are really, in my opinion, are who's who of senior, senior key opinion leaders in this country. And we're not asking them to be editors. Their responsibility is for twice a year to sit down with me and tell me where they think the journal should go. Okay? And because we need that wisdom. You know, we need that wisdom. Absolutely. Okay. And so right now, we just not, we're not into our two year anniversary. We're about 18, I guess we're at 18 months or so. Something like that. Yeah. That sounds about right. March. Yeah. Maybe less, 16 months in. We just went over 60,000 page views and uh, 35,000 unique visitors. What I'm more proud about is we're very transparent about our, our readership and who reads articles. So when you look at if you look at a lot of journals, they have, and we don't compete with the standard journals. We're different. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. You know, you know, listen, I mean, you know, my some of my favorite journals on in orthopedics on the planet, JBJS and others. I mean, these are and clinical orthopedics related research, amazing journals. They are beasts and they are beacons of excellence. We are not that. We are a different product. It just happens to be called journal. We, what we do is we are interesting articles that have to do with clinical, economic, health policy, or business experience in orthopedics. Okay? And that's the key so, point. Like you, you slowed down there. You said experience in orthopedics. Right. So what will happen is somebody will do 12 cases of using a certain device to fix a not so common injury. Well, that other people need to know that information. Sure, he doesn't have 200 cases, but all 12 cases did well. And it's a case series. And it's that. Right. Take it for what it's worth. That experience. Yep. Yes. Take us for what it's worth. It's what we are. You know what I mean? 
And, but the other thing we found is that, so I look back at Journal X, a a well-known journal, and there was a thing called Plum Metrics, which tells you how many people read the journal. So I looked at a journal from a month ago, and and two months ago, and three months ago, and I found that a majority, a vast majority of the articles per issue had 35 to 60 page views. Okay? Now, I don't know if that's high or low. Most people read page views because they're writing an article on it. Then they go back and read the article because they're citing it. Now, we have articles that sometimes have 35 page views and sometimes have 60. But our average readership is about 200 page views per article. We have at least eight or nine articles that have gone over 3,000 reads, 3,000 page views. Wow. Wow. And the other thing we do is we keep on bringing up Old articles, not old articles, previously published articles. Uh-huh. Nothing, nothing's it's a used cool. article. It's not a used article. It's a previously right. owned article. There we go. And that has relevance still. Like, for example, we, we produce a, well, most pop, one of my most popular articles was on, on a deep, deep dive analysis of private equity innovation in the orthopedic business space. Yep. I know the article a month ago, it had 2,800 views. I posted it again. Reads, 2,800 reads. Yep, yep. I posted it again. Within three weeks, it had 3,200 reads. 400 mm-hmm. reads, a post a year later, a repost a year later. Yep. So because it's, with, still, it's still a credible piece of information that might have gone through you know, somebody's inbox, so to speak, or just, I just didn't have time to look. I also think you've picked up a lot of steam with Joey. I also think just... The orthopedic community as a whole needs a place to just kind of take a look about what's going on, not just like right. in the operating room, but just the bigger picture, so to speak. So sure, right. that's and, and it doesn't have to be a 27-page article with 1,300 graphs. No, it has to be accurate. It has to be accurate, and it has to be clear and well-written. And no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. But but we're not holding people to when people ask sometimes, how should I write this article? What's the, uh, you know, give me some guidelines sure. on how to write the article. I said, did you ever hear of Stephen King, the uh, writer, Stephen King, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say, yeah. I said, you know, so if I was Stephen King's publisher, you think I'd give Stephen King guidance? I think he's doing okay. I tell them, tell your story. Look at the other articles on the journal. See how people format it there. Because not every story has to get formatted exactly the same way. So we have an open format. The other thing, which is very important to mention, is that, that where what I call triple open access. Okay. I have invented wait, wait, wait. that term. Triple open access. What is triple open access? So open access journals mean that if you don't have a subscription, you could read it. Okay? Okay. That, so not, but here's the catch on nearly every open access journal I know. There's either an article submission fee, so when the, so when the author submits the article, they gotta, the author has to pay the journal submission fee, and invariably, almost 100%, there's an article processing cost, APC. Yep. And that ranges from $1,200 for Journal of Medicare Orthopedic Surgeons to $4,700 for clinical orthopedics. And that's paid for by the author. Okay. Wow. So there is a financial barrier of entry for certain articles. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. 
And I'm not saying that's inappropriate or not. I think it's fine. I think if there's no subscription, someone has to pay for the processing costs. So we have no article process submission fee, no article processing fee, and no advertisements. Amazing. So how do you now, make money? That was going to be my follow question. So, so right now, just to lay this out, we've got we've got frankly a pretty darn popular online journal that is getting as many or more views of uh, online, of course, of certain articles and submissions. And not only are we are you getting like lots of views and you're getting a lot of interaction. I mean, there's a lot of talk online back and forth after articles are posted, et cetera. How do you plan to make money with this? Is this something that that you're going to try to? I would think that a that a medical device company or pharma company would want to somehow get in front of these people. Is that something you're considering? Yeah. First of all, let me explain. The goal of the journal, go ahead, is that it makes a dollar a year. All right. It's got a it's it's got a low barrier there, but go ahead. Low barrier. So, for better or worse, because I have some pretty decent programming skills. I was able to leverage the Scholastica platform, which was not overly expensive. Okay. So I funded it myself in the beginning. Okay. Not the barrier to entry was not high. Okay. Okay. Reasonable price to, to do it. And I didn't hire on spec a bunch of, you know, managing editors and everything. I did it all myself because I've done this before. I edited Medscape, you know, sure. it's yeah. fine. And the other thing is we don't have issues. We publish as we go along. So if I don't have an article this week, I do it next week. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. We don't publish in print. So there's no cost to print and mailing. Okay. So our model to fund the journal. Go ahead. Is all after publication activities. So we don't invade the sanctity of the articles. Like we don't put ads on the articles. You know, you can make an argument. Oh, we also allow innovations from industry. So if a if a startup company has an amazing innovation, sure. they could write it. They could submit that to the journal because the world wants to know about that innovation. And it can, and everything gets peer reviewed. And no, and so even if a company puts in an article, it's a double blind peer review. So the reviewers don't know it's a company that put it in. You know, but most it's a rare article from companies, but we have a couple that are innovations from industry. Okay. What we do is we do, we do four different things to in after publication. To potentially one, make money. Go ahead. To potentially make some money. One, we run journal club. So we'll take an article, we do a Zoom journal club, and we'll have a sponsor for the journal club about that article. Okay. So a sponsor like Company X, you know, Device Designs of America. Uh, okay. That's we'll, like a company. Go ahead. We'll look through all the articles and say, boy, this one is sort of very something that we want near and dear and back on. Yep, well, 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 we want feedback on that concept. Sure. And they will sponsor the journal club, which costs a certain amount of money. Okay. To sponsor, they get two minutes at, they get two minutes in the beginning and they get two minutes at 30 minutes to okay. say that where. They charge, get paid a flat fee to sponsor the journal club, and they are charged a per uh, fee for every healthcare provider that goes on. 
for the journal. So there's some sort of basic, you know, okay, here's the cost. And then depending on how many people join, you'll pay X dollars on top of that. Only for healthcare providers. Right, right, right. Yeah. And we have a registration and knows that that's number one. Number two, we run article based panel discussions at conferences, focus groups. So we will take an article, a hot article and get together five to 20 key opinion leaders. We did this at the last Academy and we will drill that article down all the way and ask key questions. Kind of reminds me of that conversation they might've been having at at that table, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have a mix of uh, primarily the mix is 70, 30, 70% are busy, active community titans of their community Sure. Thirty percent are academics. Because I, I get it. Yeah, we it's a need great the convers- That is a great conversation. Yes, it and reminds me have, of the heyday. Yeah, you know, of the heyday. Yep. And then the third way is we have a follow up of one of those panels by Zoom. So okay. the same company could double dip and say we want want to dive deeper with a bigger group, but we'll do that by Zoom. Sure, because if, if and, you know, the Academy is one of the largest, but there are lots of orthopedic meetings where you might get a subset of people who are live. So you have that that additional way to get to people, so to speak. Yeah, and the last, or in the last revenue uh, opportunity, there's a new product we just came up with because it reminded, I remembered a movie from 1981 called Dinner with Andre. Whoa, whoa, yeah. It was an old, old, old war type movie, Dinner with Andre. So it's Dinner with Joey. (laughs) And I I got the idea again because Joe Zuckerman was a friend and obviously a giant in the field of orthopedics, a generational orthopedic surgeon. He was invited to our grand rounds when we had had these summer fellows from college and Mm-hmm. Now, 15 summer fellows who were pre-meds and my whole staff. So there's about 70 people in the room. And he and I just had a discussion. And it was electrifying. So we're going to really take people from the advisory board, people who are around, maybe find Leo Whiteside. You know sure. what I mean? Maybe find use Rich Centauri from California or Chip Ronawad or whatever and have dinner with so-and-so. It would be a Zoom meeting. And it'll just be a discussion with, you know, sort of a Dick Cavett. Yep. It just David goes back Cross to that same interview. thing of like, look, there is, they call it the art of medicine for a reason. And right. there is no one way. I mean, there are some basic things like, hey, you need airway, breathing and circulation. I get it. But, you know, moving past the basics, you know, there's always an art. There's always something yes. that you can learn. That's why Dr. Rothman said to you, son, because <laughs> I'm sure you were much younger at the time. Here's the one thing I need you to do. It wasn't about the incision. It wasn't about the the approach, blah, blah, blah. It was just, just try to do one thing better. Right. right. And, and I, have, I have a thousand Rothmanisms. My thing about this, and this is what I think the, the value to the orthopedic community and the value to, you know, frankly, whether it's a medical device company, pharma company, whatever, is like, you don't need a triple blind study on X. It's like, look, man, how do you handle X in an ambulatory surgical center versus a hospital? You know, And and keep in mind, we're still peer reviewed and there are some great- That's a very critical point. I don't want to let you go without giving the domain name, which we will have on the website, of course, and and part of the podcast. But what is the the domain name? www.journal.com. 
Journal.com. All right. JournalOEI.com. Dr. Kirschenbaum, I want to thank you for joining me on the 100th podcast for the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. It's been a good ride. Thank you so much for taking the Pleasure. time to talk to me. And uh, for everybody listening, again, go online, listen, and uh, we'll go from there. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. This program is brought to you by Health Connective. Custom marketing solutions for medtech and pharma. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.